there often isn't a single person who has a view into all of the different data points. And that used to be problematic for the reasons we've been talking about. It's going to become even more problematic as everything moves into either BigQuery or Adobe Experience Platform or Snowflake or all the data is getting merged. Yeah, those silos are going to have to, to come down here fairly soon either way. Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. And we're back at it again. And Jason, we've got a guest with us this week, fresh off uh, an appearance at Super Week. Hey, Jen, how's it going? Hello, I'm good. I'm I'm mostly recovered from Super Week. Um, I came home feeling uh, much rejuvenated mentally and physically, just obliterated. That uh, picked up germs on the way home, and uh, but mostly over it, doing much better. Good, it was good. good. So it was a really good. How week. was it? What were some great. of the takeaways? Uh, it was very GA focused, um, but I knew that going into it. Um, a very focused BigQuery specifically, and um, I think a lot of, of GA4 eye rolling and commiseration uh, among ev- everyone there. Um, just really fantastic people. It wasn't all the people I was hoping would be there that have been there in, in years past, um, but uh, people who really know their craft and want to share their knowledge. That, that really sums it up pretty darn well. Um, at a great venue and, you know, fun, fun activities. So, yeah. so it was in Hungary, correct? Yeah, it was in Hungary. It's at a, like a hot spring resort, 90 minutes or so outside of Budapest. Have you, had you ever been there before? <laughs> no, no. Mm-hmm. I've been to Romania is the closest I had ever been before. Um, and Hungarian, uh, usually I try to learn a little bit of the language of wherever I'm going. I was a linguistics major. I love love that stuff. Hungarian is just so alien and different from anything I've ever seen. Uh, apparently, it's most closely related to Finnish and Estonian, but it's just kind of its own thing. Interesting. Um, that my brain did not absorb very well, but was fascinated by nonetheless. Did um, Did everyone get in the hot springs together? Uh, there was a lot of that. Yeah, I, I was worried I was going to miss it because I I brought two swimsuits. I was ready for the, for the hot spring. And then come Thursday night or so, I still hadn't had a moment to. And uh, the people I were, was with made sure it happened that night and, and again the following morning. We all talked about board games sitting in the hot spring. It was delight, delightful. Sounds so, fun. Yep. Um, so I don't know how I'm going to pivot into our topic from the hot spring. <laughs> I was trying to think of something there. Um, but uh, so, so Jen, um, the last couple of weeks, Jason and I have been talking about um, single point solutions, especially single point solutions with, with analytics and a lot of the, the issues that can come with it, but then also maybe some of the benefits here and there. Um, so like last week we spoke um, about vendor lock and, 
you know, what does it mean getting, you know, going all in on, you know, a single vendor for an entire tech stack or the majority of your tech stack? Um, so I thought of you that you know, I'd love to get your input, you know, in, in a similar vein of like, what are some of the architecture pitfalls or gotchas when it comes to single vendor solutions or buying into a single vendor for a majority of your tech stack? Maybe not everything. I think more than anything, it's uh, easy to get false expectations or bad expectations of you think that things are going to work together nicely and they don't. Um, you know, a lot of these tech stacks have been built through acquisitions over decades. And just because the same parent company bought that tool doesn't necessarily mean it's integrated, that it was designed with the same stuff in mind. Uh, so a lot of the time, I think the problem is really that people go into it thinking these things are all going to work well together. And that's why we chose them and only to discover that that's not necessarily true. Uh, which is very fresh. Like that, that's a big reason I've seen folks use say Google analytics was because they thought it would work best with their other tools and it yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe not. So that's the first thing that comes to mind for me. It's just expectations. Yeah. And that, that's actually one of the things we touched on a bit last week is like one of the, the problems with vendor locker, one of like the, the alluring factors of kind of buying into a platform is that, Oh, all of these talk together really, really well. <laughs> um, the, uh, I'm going to be able to have my analytic solution, talk to my testing platform, and then also integrate my email platform. And it's gonna be able to be really, really set up. But then, yeah, you come to find out that they were all acquired and they have like just the most basic of connections uh, amongst them. Yep. I'm trying to think if, if there well, are exceptions. Well, thinking, but... well, and, but I mean, not, yeah, that's something we brought up last week, right? Is that the, the connection. So is it a pitfall or is it a, you take a more deliberate approach to the connecting of things? Because that's something we talked about last week where a lot of people like, well, if I go all in with this solution, everything magically works together and we don't think deliberately about it. And then it doesn't. So is it a pitfall or does it force us to think more deliberately about how do these things or how should these things work together? Yeah. And, and again, it's the expectations. Like if you go in knowing that you're going to have to plan out some sort of integration and really think it through, then yeah, same, same vendor solution, go for it. Um, <laughs> but just, yeah, knowing that that's inevitably going to be the case, that you're, you're going to have to figure out how to make the, the tools work together in the best way possible. And I think it like looking at Adobe, uh, Adobe Target and Adobe Analytics integrate very nicely. I know that there are some, some folks who kind of question the um, using analytics as the primary tracking method and, and how that feeds you know, statistical models or whatever for target. Um, whereas Adobe Analytics and Adobe Experience Manager, they might as well be different companies. <laughs> like there is, is very, there is technically an integration but you're better off approaching it as if, as if there isn't and just it were any other non-Adobe owned CMS. Um, plan it out. And, and like you said, maybe it's good to be forced to plan out how you're going to track the things that you need to track to answer the questions you want to answer. So 
two questions, and I think they're completely unrelated. I, I guess I'll start with the first one. We're talking about the pitfalls of a single, single vendor solution. Do we know any companies that are really a single vendor shop? I Maybe they're really heavy, but do we... I mean, is this really a thing where companies are 100% all in on, like, say, a MarkTech stack with, with a single vendor? Yes, I know a company that recently, uh, about a year and a half ago, changed from being Adobe to being Google because everything else they do, like down to the email client they use is Google, Google Drive, Google everything. Yeah. Um, and uh, I know that Salesforce isn't technically in that Google sphere, but that's part of their stack that they thought would get along with Google better because of the relationships there. Um, and, uh, and, and then later learned that, no, actually, it doesn't necessarily integrate better. Uh, so yes, we we have at least one client even that, oh, okay. that is all in on Google. Um, yeah, whether or not it it made sense to make the move, they make it work. Yeah. Um, have we gotten past like really vendor specific architecture, or is that still something as you're thinking about whether they're all in or ninety percent in? Is there a risk that the implementation is very, very vendor specific and that really creates even more lock-in or have we moved kind of beyond that? No, I, I think there are still things that are very specific, although it depends a lot on the vendor that Adobe in general, especially when we're talking architecture, um, is much more flexible. So you can have a GA implementation and use that exact same data layer for launch, but your launch data layer implementation is not necessarily going to work in GTM. Um, so it depends on the vendor. Um, it also depends on the iteration of tool. Like if we're talking about Adobe Experience Platform and XDM schemas and all of that, I think you're going to see a, a little bit more of that sort of lock-in that this is, this is Adobe specific, the way it's been set up. And we're therefore kind of stuck with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Both, I'm primarily thinking of Adobe and Google. And, and they've both gotten fairly flexible, I feel like, that um, you're not too stuck if you, you've gone deep down the Google Analytics architecture or Adobe Analytics architecture. I don't know. Maybe that's an optimistic. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I mean, I think... Yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely been the case. We've, as an industry, been moving. Just wasn't sure if, from a solution standpoint, that they've kind of followed suit and said, yeah, we're going to allow for it. But you're, you're right. I mean, like, whether it's data layer or otherwise, some platforms still are very rigid in, in what you can do, and some um, are a bit more open and flexible. Um, and I guess there's probably also a people component, too, whether it's internal resources or external. Yes. If you have... You know, if you come from one background or another, that could also highly influence your architecture decisions. Absolutely, yes. Um, how how do you, as like an architecture specialist, and like especially where you have deep expertise in certain tool sets, kind of ha continue to build that expertise, but also see broadly as well, so you're thinking kind of of flexible solutions that aren't necessarily locked into a specific vendor. It used to be much easier. <laughs> um, like 2013, I was certified in Google Analytics and Site Catalyst the same year. Um, these days, 
as the tools are evolving and becoming more data science-y, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, I think it is going to be harder to be a, a jack of all trades, sort of, or or to have a good feel of best practices. I can implement GA4. I can get around inside it okay. I can even BigQuery some. Um, I won't necessarily be able to tell you what's a best practice, though, because uh, I can't spread my myself across best practices of all of the Adobe tools and also best practices of this other new complicated thing. Um, they're they're requiring a little bit more specialization now. Yeah. I feel like. But. Yeah. Is is there a risk? Um... Well, maybe this is more of an, a risk or a pitfall of a non-single solution, but I'll ask it anyways. Is, is there a risk of either a point, you know, building your own solutions or going all with a single solution based on how you architect the implementation where overlapping metrics may have different definitions or ways they're collected and how do you like address that as an architect? Like within the same system? Well, or... within the same with so yeah, let's let's take Adobe for example. So, okay. if I'm implementing Target and Analytics, and maybe they share a, a, a common metric name, let's say like a mm -hmm. visit or a visitor, um, you know, what things do you need to think? And that's like probably an ultra simplistic example. But what things do you need to think about as an architect? Again, because I think that the expectation of people buying these solutions is that oh someone's done the hard work for us and all this stuff just is the same and makes sense we know that's probably not a reality so how do you think about it as an architect to kind of reduce the confusion or risk of having shared metrics that may mean something completely right. different uh, well and the the target and analytics is a particularly interesting example because i think architecture side uh Target can pretty much piggyback off of whatever you've set up for analytics. It's it's the analysis that starts getting tricky because they they handle attribution very differently. Um, so if you're using analysis workspace to look at you know target and trying to figure out your own conversion rates and things like that, aside from what you know target's going to determine from its backend integration with with Adobe Analytics. Um, things can get confusing very quickly and make you doubt your data <laughs> um, just because they, they handle things differently. And it, it's not even necessarily greatly documented how they handle things differently. Uh, trying to think of, of other tool sets where the architecture has that much overlap. Um, I don't know. Can you guys think of other examples? Yeah. So, you know, what if, and, and I'll think outside of kind of maybe the common, uh, big vendors, but what if we had like a session replay tool, we have an email tool, a campaign tool, right. you know, all of them have their kind of basic analytics as well. And so you start to get this broad overlap of similar things, but depending on how you architect it and depending on the products could mean completely different things. Yeah, and again, no, you're right. Absolutely. I think a big part of that is in the analysis. But as an architect, do you have, you know, how much control or power do you have to help kind of reduce that risk of, of confusion? Right. So, for example, if I, you know, I have a client, they have analytics, they consider um, the lead confirmation form 
after you submit your lead, it takes you to a whole fresh new page. And in a very Adobe Analytics kind of way, we consider that confirmation page to be the signal that a lead was submitted. Um, you know, because at least old school Adobe was was very you know page view kind of oriented. Um, but then the marketing agencies have come to us and asked us to uh, implement their GTAG conversion for double click and AdWords and all of that on the click of the lead confirmation button. Um, so from that an architecture paid more money <laughs> <laughs> and from an architecture standpoint, and it might just be that they're, they're thinking, you know, that's the user action we want. Oh, right, it might not right. be as devious as all of that. Um, but from an architecture standpoint, a it's going to be much easier to just have one thing in our tag management system that is considered a lead confirmation um, and keep all of that logic kind of together. But from an, uh, analysis standpoint, um, if we, the two tools will never match, don't get me wrong, but if they are implemented that differently, they're going to match even less. So trying to figure out, you know, what we consider and how we communicate with each other about the number of lead confirmations. Are we talking about the same thing as it clicks to the button? Does that button include validation and, or just anybody who, you know, my cat walked by and was playing with my mouse and submitted eight leads um, <laughs> or click that button eight times. So yeah, from an architecture standpoint, there is a lot of uh, trying to find consistency where you can, I think, um, while also accepting, like I said, that the tools are never going to match. Period. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you know, why set up eight different sets of logic uh, in your attack management system for what essentially is the same user action. Yeah, you you bring up a really, really good point about the importance of communication. It's actually um, a, a challenge that I've been working on with, with one of our clients where it was that exact scenario. There wasn't any communication around it. There was an assumption that between these two tools, it was based on that, let's call it a click, where this thing was measured for both tools within the same vendor stack. Um, and then there was confusion on why, you know, things weren't aligning. And it was not the normal confusion of, okay, these two things are never gonna be perfectly aligned. It was vastly different. Um, and then as we got in there and started to pull it apart, the business logic between how these two things that were named the exact same in different tools in the same vendor stack were captured using two completely different sets of business logic and there was no communication to anyone actually using that data and it created a lot of confusion which leads to lack of trust in the data sometimes embarrassment where we publish something and we think it means one thing and it means another so you know it may not be the most uh the thing we look forward to the most as technical people but i think that communication and whether it's written or verbal around the decisions we're making is so critical, especially where, again, so many business users are making the assumption that, oh, it's all in Google or it's all in Adobe. So of course it may, means the same thing. Yeah. Yep. And I, I think a lot of it, sometimes it's just slowing down and defining like, okay, you, you said booking initiation. Did you mean this or this or uh, visits and sessions is definitely one that, you know, anytime you hear it, you, you think, let's define what, what that means to us and what context. Um, and especially with a tool like Adobe Analytics, where there's like eight different ways to accomplish any given thing, um, you could have 
it based off of a calculated metric of how many people hit that page. Or you can use the event that was set aside for it. That event may or may not have serialization on it um, to record it once per visit. Like all of these different nuances that uh, you could have the exact same metric represented in a dozen ways. Yeah. Uh, or the exact same I, user action. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I think we should get to a point where we make it normal to ask that all the time, maybe to the point of being obnoxious about it. And, and again, I think that applies to everything, but especially where we've gone all in on a single vendor solution where we're probably making a lot of assumptions that it is all the same. We, we should make it normal to just ask, what do we mean? What does it mean to have a, a conversion in Adobe Target and a... Let's just say a purchase in Adobe Target and a purchase in Adobe Analytics. Again, it seems like, oh, it should mean the same, but we should normalize just asking that question so we don't make these assumptions. And again, I think that's true regardless of the stack, but even more so where it's a single vendor, because I think it does feel like a trap that we make the assumption that everything is just aligned in the same. And at least from my experience, regardless of this isn't an Adobe or a Google, this is any vendor because... I can't think of a single big kind of point solution um, that isn't made up of a conglomerate of acquisitions. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Right. So. And I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, a, a project I was on not too long ago where uh, analytics and, and optimization were very separate and siloed. Um, but the analytics kind of that team owned the implementation. And uh, I think there were a lot of assumptions about, well, the target folks are probably just using the analytics data. So we'll maintain that and we can speak to its quality. Um, And turns out that they were using a lot of the information from inbox parameters that had been broken and nobody knew or cared. Um, So lack of communication was a problem, but again, not even knowing if we're we're using the same dimensions and, and all of that, but. Uh, it's entirely possible for JavaScript to break on one thing and not another thing. Yeah. You you bring up a really good point and something I didn't even think about as we started this conversation is for for companies that are doing a single vendor solution approach, is it always falling under one team or do you have multiple teams depending on which solution they're they're architecting and yeah. how does that work? Well, and I, I mentioned earlier. I think, did, did we talk about Adobe Experience Manager? Um, not yeah, necessarily briefly. integrating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you'd see that on the client side as well, that the folks who know Adobe Experience Manager and who would be in it a whole lot have nothing to do with the folks who are working with Adobe Analytics. So they they can be very different. Well, how does that play out? Let's let's just talk about like deploying the solutions from an architecture standpoint. H- have you seen that like defeat the value of a tag management solution or a data layer where instead of having it as this combined strategy that it's this kind of conglomerate of, well, we own this little piece of it because it's analytics. Another team owns the optimization stuff. Another yeah. team owns the experience stuff. And none of those things are talking together. It's like, Yep. But that's why we're doing a tag manager. So we do it right. once instead of right. three times. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we see that. And I think a lot of the time it comes down to who's making the decisions. They're often much higher up. So they might be over both of those teams that are siloed. <laughs> um, and they they will say, oh, yeah, we've got those folks doing optimization and these folks doing analytics. And, yeah, it makes sense for us to go all in on this, this stack. 
because from their perspective, we're very umbrella everything. Yeah, maybe that does make sense, but they're not in the weeds, um, nor are they doing anything to break the break down the silos that exist underneath them. Maybe they think going all to the same stack will magically make those silos go away. You know? um, does it does it make sense in organizations of that size where that plays out, where you have these separate teams, even if they do roll up to the same leadership, to have a at least a point architect that's responsible for the architecture of the whole? And have you seen that be the case where you have an architect that sits across multiple teams? Yes, it makes sense. No, I have not seen it. Certainly not as much as I would like to, but, um, and, and this, this could be a whole other podcast talking about data silos and, and all of that, that there often isn't a Jim single point notes. that, yeah, <laughs> that, um, there often isn't a single person who has a view into all of the different data points. And that used to be problematic for the reasons we've been talking about it's going to become even more problematic as everything moves into either BigQuery or Adobe Experience Platform or Snowflake or all the data is getting merged. And suddenly analytics, which wasn't considered part of the what the data team was doing, is going to be part of what the data team is doing. Um, yeah, those silos are going to have to come down here fairly soon either way. So do you see that when you say data team, are you referring kind of to the more traditional like data engineering, business intelligence teams are now merging with kind of the marketing analytics teams or product analytics teams and like who's going to. Yeah, exactly. Um, not that I'm seeing that merging happening, <laughs> yeah. but I, I'm seeing the need for it. Um, and, you know, folks who have had great success with customer journey analytics, it's because they were able to bring those teams together. So speaking of a solution like um, customer journey analytics, um, is it easier? Are there more risks if you are all on the Adobe platform or is the is the um, promise of that is that you know you don't necessarily need to go a single vendor approach? I, I'm not close enough to it to, to know, but are there different ways you would think about as an architect to avoid kind of risks, again, single vendor versus not with like a more complex solution like yeah. customer journey analytics? Uh, I do think if nothing else, there'd be an advantage in documentation that, um, you know, if you have Adobe Analytics and you're trying to get it into to CJA, that, that has been done and it's not too hard to, to find, track someone, Jim Gordon will help tell you how to do it. Or Frederick Werner. Um, but that said, I, I think, hmm, I don't know, it's still complicated. There's still so many things that you have to map and, and all of that, that I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a lot easier. It's just going to be a, a path that's been better forged before um, than bringing in, say, if you wanted to bring your Google Analytics data into CJA, which we've seen done, that's possible to do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that, that Adobe Analytics in CJA is going to be way infinitely better than Google Analytics in CJA. I'd hope so. Yeah. And and to yeah. me, like the more you talk about it, the more it's selling me on something I already believe in. And that is the importance of this architect role in general, whether, again, you're a single vendor solution or not. Um it just feels like it's such a critical role, especially as these stacks are becoming more and more complicated. 
Um, especially as you're going a single vendor. Again, the idea is that it's less complicated, but the reality is you're adding a lot more complications to it. Uh, it really begs to have someone sitting at that like top level architect role to oversee all of it. And I just don't see it to your point, like it's needed, but I just don't see people talking about it or even feeling the need for it. Well, and, and to complicate that consent and privacy regulations, um, if you have all of your data in separate silos, you know, that's um, going to be a lot harder to manage. I do think hmm, I do think there are some advantages to being in a single stack when it comes to the privacy and consent stuff uh, that most of the tools have ways of, uh, you know, a single mechanism that will apply to all of the you know, consent mode in Google will apply to your yeah. analytics and also to your AdWords. Um, so I, there are advantages there. Um, no, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that they have somebody who is thinking about privacy and consent and, and all of that across the different data silos, but yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I would, I'm not as familiar with the Adobe side, but having seen it on the Google side, yeah, it definitely feels a lot more kind of um, integrated together across <laughs> their, their, and privacy is hard enough to manage as it yeah. is. So, um, absolutely. So, I guess as we're kind of getting close to our end of the time, the, I'll ask the question of you what do you feel is the biggest pitfall? From my perspective, and again, like as we've talked this out, to me, it feels less about a technology pitfall or challenge and more about um, just these built in assumptions that maybe we don't put in the effort because, oh, it's all there together and just works when we should. But do you, you know, what do you feel is the biggest risk if I'm stepping into a role to own? Um, an entire MarTech implementation and they're all in on Google or all in Adobe or all in on another platform, what do you see as the biggest risk that I need to be thinking about? I, it's not an interesting answer, but I, I agree with you that I think a lot of it is just about the assumptions that you're making. I think there are risks of making bad decisions, of choosing a tool that's not the right tool just because you're are all in on, on that vendor. Um, I think there's uh, risks of, you know, as people assuming they're talking about the same thing when they're not. Um, risks of assuming that development time is going to be low because it's yeah. the same tool. Yeah. Um, it's it's just risks of assumptions yeah. all the way down, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I yeah, I, I think that is the, the biggest risk. And you bring up you bring up kind of um, ease of implementation, ease of all this like if we're making those assumptions without validating them, we're setting our teams up for failure and frustration as well because, and maybe we've even been sold it through the process. Like, oh, it's super easy. And then it's not. And then it's now our team's fault because we've overcommitted them. And, you know, and, and so, yeah, we really need to think through that critically around, you know, and, and really test those assumptions of, is it really going to be as easy as we assume because it's all built together in one vendor um, solution? Jim, any final thoughts? You've been quiet. Yeah, I actually was just taking a few notes because I think I got a couple new, a couple episodes yeah. coming coming from this. No, I, I think it's been good, and yeah, I think the one, the key takeaway, and it's it's funny when I when I tried to plan out these episodes, and we've mentioned it so many times before. I tried to come up with a, a topic and some guardrails to discuss, and I come in with some biases, and I come in with some assumptions of what we're going to talk about. But yeah, the key takeaway I've gotten from this is 
the the assumptions we make when um when working with a vendor on multiple tools together, or in this case, we've been talking about a single vendor solution. But then also we, we, you mentioned earlier uh, when we were talking is um, being deliberate about like, do these, do these tools really communicate the way we expect them to being part of a single platform? How are they connected? Do they actually give us what we're expecting or do we just assume it's going to be? So yeah, the the need to be deliberate and not make assumptions is probably the biggest takeaway um, I got from from this conversation. So it's been really, really good. Agreed. It's always good when Jen comes on. Ah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that don't make assumptions. That's good life advice anyways. It is. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but with, with, and not, not to go too much longer because we're, we're trying to wrap it up a little bit on the earlier side going forward and, you know, make it a little bit more easy to digest. But I think it is very easy in in our industry to make assumptions that these things just work, whether it's the we want it, you know, to do that, or you know, hey, it's easy to get taken by a good sales pitch and a good demo. Oh, this looks great until you dig into it and you find a use case that yes, it only works under these specific conditions. And if you don't meet those specific conditions, it doesn't work as well, if at all. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So great conversation. And Jen will be back with us again next week uh, as we start another uh, theme of of episodes. But I'll wait till next week to discuss what that is going to be. But yeah, I'm going to leave it as a bit of a tease. But Jen, thanks. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you you. joining us. And always a pleasure. um, Yeah, it was a great conversation. So let's go ahead and wrap it up there. And we'll talk to everyone later. All right. See you. See you. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics boutique.